It's June 21st. We're reading through the Bible. We've gotten to a new book today in our Old Testament reading. We're reading the first three chapters of Esther. And uh, Esther, this book that is about a queen, uh, you've got to keep a few people straight. Well, first, let's get the time frame straight. Uh, Esther takes place historically during the period of Ezra, uh, actually between the first and second uh, group of returned exiles that come back to Jerusalem. And so, uh, as I said yesterday, we've got Nehemiah ending the timeline of the Old Testament. And so this is the post-exilic period after the exile, after the 70-year exile, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther fits in in the time frame of Ezra. Now, um, remember the Babylonians are gone. The Persians are in power. Ahasuerus we meet at the beginning of this book. He's also known as Xerxes, Xerxes I to be exact. And uh, he has a queen, Vashti, and Vashti is asked to do what probably is some kind of lewd dancing of some kind, and she refuses. Uh, the king is probably drunk at this banquet, and so he uh, deposes her. He, he, he fires her. This was a, um, uh, you know, a, something he wasn't going to be, you know, submitting publicly here to his wife's refusal, and as he um, was shown up by all of that, he's going to replace the queen. So he has a beauty contest. I guess if you're the king, that's the way you go about it in this pagan land, and um, You've got Esther, who is an orphan, a Jewish orphan, an exile, who has a cousin named Mordecai. Of course, he's key in this book. And uh, then you have Haman, and Haman is the other key player in this book. And Haman is the one who hates uh, the Jews, and he's a part of the Persian kingdom, and he is going to be the bad guy in this book. So uh, we've got in chapter one, we, we meet the players, and we see that uh, Vashti is dispo uh, deposed, and we have uh, this replacement who is Esther. She's chosen for being this beautiful woman who now is uh, the queen. Uh, and we see in chapter two uh, the um, a plot, and this becomes key later in the book, but a plot that Mordecai, the cousin of Esther, uncovers uh, as he um, hears of it. And he tells Esther in this plot to kill the uh, king, King Xerxes, Ahasuerus, is, is um, foiled. So that becomes key later in the book. But uh, Mordecai is the one who uh, rats out this uh, conspiracy, this coup, and ends up, uh, ends up saving um, the people in many ways. Actually, Esther is the key player in all this, but uh, Mordecai is uh, very, very helpful. In chapter 3, uh, Haman is the bad guy who's promoted in the province, and uh, he's offended by Mordecai because Mordecai is not going to uh, fully incorporate to the Persian culture. He does not bow down, and he ends up uh, having this terrible hatred Haman does for not just Mordecai, but he wants to slaughter all the Jews. So that's as far as we get in the book, but a great and fascinating story we're going to spend a few days in. Our New Testament readings in the first half of Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 16, and this is uh, something that is giving a uh, reminder of God's holiness. Ananias and Sapphira, it's a famous couple that we remember, we should remember with a kind of sobriety that um, uh, they are killed for lying, uh, deceiving about their generosity, deceiving the apostles, and of course uh, it's stated that they're actually trying to deceive the Holy Spirit. Of course, they know they can't do that, but this is a point where God shows His holiness, like Nadab and Abihu in the Old Testament. Uh, they do something that seems relatively small, a small infraction. We've all lied and deceived to make ourselves look better, but God makes a point 
in this situation of having, like Nadab and Abihu, early in the Levitical priesthood, killed so that they'll be very careful to keep the laws of the Levites. Well, here, Ananias and Sapphira are killed as an example of God's holiness, and fear, great fear, fell upon the people, which is exactly where God wants his people to be, is that they recognize that God's rules are serious and that breaking them should be uh, not done. We should have a trepidation about uh, doing things that God has clearly said we should not do. So a lot going on in chapter 5 in those short 16 verses. Our community imperative today uh, that we want to look at is um, helpful. It's the other side of what we dealt with yesterday about having a, a value of children obeying their parents. Well, I would just move on to the next section in, in Ephesians 6 and verse number 4 where it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but raise them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Uh, I'm just going to put the community imperative this way. We do it. We need to encourage good parenting. Encourage good parenting. And I like the way even that Paul brings out the importance of fathers in all this. I mean, that would solve so many issues across our country and in our culture if dads would take seriously the responsibility of raising their children, even in the common grace of God. Uh, but as Christians, we've got two very specific things here uh, that as it's put in the ESV the discipline and instruction of the Lord the discipline the things that we keep them from doing uh, we, we restrain them I like to talk about um, correction we correct the bad behavior and then the instruction of the Lord we direct them in the right behavior and I, I use those words just to summarize the parenting task of correction and direction a lot of correction early on a lot of direction later on but even if you don't have kids in the house you're not a parent maybe you're a grandparent maybe you've never had kids it doesn't matter. We need to, as a community, encourage good parenting. So we'll continue in our reading tomorrow. A lot of great stuff and very uh, high drama in Esther. And we'll continue in the second half of Acts chapter 5.